We are in the midst of a sermon series entitled Poetic Imagination. Now, I can get up here and explain poetry and give you some big, boring lecture about poetry in the Bible for the next 20 minutes. I am capable of a boring lecture. But that sounds just awful, doesn't it? And kind of like a betrayal of our very topic of poetry. Over the last decade, I've come to love poetry, and one of the reasons is because I've discovered that poetry is a playground. It's a place of freedom where we stretch our imaginations, we push language to new boundaries, we freely associate, we break the space-time continuum. And we get to do all this in the service of the most human endeavor, creating meaning. Poetry is a lot like God. It's one of those things you have to experience to know. It's one of those things that you see better with your indirect peripheral vision than your direct central vision. It's one of those things you have to talk around, saying again and again, it's like this or it's like that. It is truth that goes beyond the pale category of facts, like love, like forgiveness, like Steinbeck's Grapes of Wrath, like Jesus' Resurrection, like Happy Tears. Poems are our playgrounds where we can, as the poem Introduction to Poetry by Billy Collins says, we can meander, we can meander around. We can close our eyes and fill the walls for a light switch. We can see, hear, smell, taste, and touch to experience. And I think, more than ever, we need a poetic imagination to engage the Bible properly. One of my main goals as a pastor in this community is to free us from our idolatry of the Bible. Too easily, it becomes the fourth member of the Trinity for us, and when it does, it becomes an anchor around our necks rather than helium for our souls. So, I want this book, the Bible, to be something we can engage, play with, Tear apart like an old Lego creation that no longer brings us joy and rebuild into something that helps us navigate life more like Jesus. Look, we have this library before us, this corpus, this body of work that has been the fiery grandmother of all the liberation movements in history. Does that sound like something that we should be treating like an encyclopedia? No. It sounds like poetry. It sounds like a universe that continues to evolve, unfold, and enfold me and you and all of history. So let's treat it like that this morning. We'll invite the prophet Ezekiel to speak to us, and we'll play with the images and language and let him speak to us in many different ways. Let's begin by hearing Ezekiel's vision. Ezekiel 37, the hand of the Lord came upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord, and he set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them. There were very many lying in the valley, and they were very dry. I am Ezekiel. 
While an unwilling foreigner in a country that eagerly reminded me at every turn that I was not welcome, I had a vision. God brought me to a valley, a valley, a God-forsaken valley to see, of all things, dry bones. Picked clean bones, dishwater gray bones, marrow sucked out by the unrelenting shrieking sun bones. What do you see, mortal? God said to me. I see bones of my people, people that dared to claim that God was our ruler, our monarch, our supreme, our law. Bones conquered by a Babylonian king who laid siege to our city for two years, who starved us until our bones rubbed holes through our skin, who then used our bones as toothpicks after satisfying his appetite on what was left of our humanity. I see bones that weren't even given a blanket of soil to cover their naked shoulders so that they might finally rest. It was too much. I closed my eyes, but God said, see the bones. I tried to dull my vision and merely look at them, but God said, see the bones, name the bones, this entire cosmos of bones. So I said, I see men bones, women bones, children, children, children bones, bones of Kim Fook, bones whose clothes were scraped off of a nine-year-old body with jagged nails of napalm fire. I see Ilan Kurdi bones, his two-year-old bones, Syrian bones, refugee bones, washed ashore, forgotten, cast away bones, no market value bones, a liability to others, happiness bones. I see bones that were in the way of comfort or progress or stability or status or status quo. What else? God said. I see foot bones curved to fit in shoes too small. I see hand bones splintered by smacks for reaching too high, for reaching too wide. I see jaw bones splintered for opening to speak their truth. I see cheek bones made concave by backhands for daring to claim equality. I see spinal bones made into a 33-step staircase for the metatarsal bones of others to climb high in this world. I see bones picked clean by cannibalistic scavengers because we have all, from the center to the margins, been conditioned, been taught, been hypnotized to believe that the only food in this world is the flesh of our fellow divine image bearers, so we will shut up, eat it, and like it. What else? God said. I see bones that have stored indignity and trauma in their very structure. Over here, I see hunched back bones of a man, a beast of burden, bones that know only production, grinding, earning bread. Over there, the hip bone of a woman, the only bone of value in this world. One by one, she was obliged to hand the rest of her bones over to be boiled and dissolved into a broth to be sipped by others. Often, but not exclusively, men drunk on power. I see bones of soldiers, ends filed into sharp points out of which all the soul marrow has leaked out. I see sloped forward shoulder bones that could be folded, collapsed, put into a box for storage when not in use. Notice how they are conditioned to fold at all the right places. I see bones that are stubborn reminders of personhood, bones that linger long after life is gone, bones that scream, you can treat me like an object, 
You can burn me in your fires of hate. You can fillet me with your economic war crimes, your legal war crimes, your military war crimes. You can call me property, liability, invader, horde, caravan, shameful, lazy, ruiner of civilization. I see bones that will never be less than a pile of 206 calcium prophets screaming, Do not merely look at me, see me. Because if you can see me, we can begin to live. God said to me, Mortal, can these bones live? And I answered, O oh Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O oh dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. I will lay sinews on you and you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I had been commanded. And as I prophesied, suddenly there was a noise, a rattling, and the bones came together bone to its bone. I looked and there were sinews on the bone, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. And then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, mortal, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and stood on their feet, a vast multitude. Seeing all this, it stole my breath. I, Ezekiel, could see, but I couldn't breathe. God's voice spoke to me again, mortal. That's what God calls me. And sometimes it means, hey, honey. Hey, son, come here, darling. Come here, beautiful. And sometimes it means, now you look here. This time it was the former. Mortal, God said, and then of all the ridiculous, ludicrous, preposterous, outlandish questions that one could pose to someone named mortal, God said to me, what do you think? Can these bones live? Or are these bones forever dead, 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 final death, dead? I couldn't even consider such a question. It was like I was just dragged by my shirt collar from the womb of sleep at 2 a.m. with blaring sirens and a language I didn't know. I wanted to say, are you teasing me? Are you taunting these tortured bones of mine with such a question? Are you letting the enchanting scent of food slip into the noses of the starving? How could you ask me such a thing? But I collected myself, and with as much regard as I could gather, I said, That's on you. And I dropped to the God-forsaken ground. But God said to me, oh, no, 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 you are part of this. I am done with you acting like you're not going to be a part of the healing of this world, of making this world whole. Now you rouse those bones I gave you, you align that spine, you put those shoulders back, you open your mouth 
and speak to these bones. So I stood and I said, God calls you to life. And the bones began to rattle and shake and move and come together bone to bone, muscle to muscle, nerve to nerve, skin upon skin. And I thought we were done. But then God said to me, mortal, humans are more than bodies. Life is more than food. Experience is more than stimuli. Now I want you to breathe. Breathe the breath that isn't there yet. Breathe, mortal, and say to the breath, God breathes on you. From the four winds, the four breaths of the earth breathe on you. Now you were so poetic in seeing and naming the bones, but resurrection doesn't stop there. You must breathe on them. They need an intimate touch. You can breathe, you can sigh, you can speak, you can sing. All these are just fancy ways of breathing. I don't care. But you breathe on these ravaged bones. Give them an intimate touch. Breathe on them and they will live. You breathe on them like when I made human mud pies in the cauldron of creation and breathed my spirit into their nostrils. Breathe. Like when my breath held the walls of water back so the children of Israel could leave slavery in Egypt through a blood-red sea birth canal. Breathe. Like my spirit causes you to do every moment of day and night as you gulp in mouthfuls of oxygenated ocean of grace in which you're submerged. Breathe. As in the one gift you have that can only be opened in the present, breathe because you belong to the breathing God, the living God, the breathing God of the living present, not the God of the dead past or the God of the not yet future. Breathe, speak, sing, prophesy new life into these dry bones. You do it. What do you think I gave you? your breath for? What do you think I gave you my spirit for? Now breathe it upon these dry bones. The third reading from Isaiah. I mean, <laughs> from Ezekiel. Then he said to me, Mortal, these bones are the whole house of Israel. And they say, Our bones are dried up. Our hope is lost. We are cut off completely. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people. And I will bring you back to the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people. I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you on your own soil. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken and will act, says the Lord. There I, Ezekiel, stood, and before me were persons, standing persons where there were only dry bones before, now stood 
standing, breathing persons, persons whose bones and muscles and sinews and skin were now put back together. But God said to me, They are not yet alive, mortal, so long as they are only persons. They must become a people. No longer will they exist in the nameless valley of dry bones. They will live in my holy city. They will live where the river of my spirit ever flows into their dry bones. They will live by the tree of life that bears fruit in every season and whose leaves are for the healing of all nations. They will live where I put soil under their feet, soil to stand on, to build on, to cultivate, to nourish, to taste and see that the always breathing one is good. They will live resurrected anew every moment of every day. They will live where there is neither immigrant nor citizen, employed or unemployed, educated or uneducated, oppressor or oppressed, for in my city they will all be one. They will be a people and not just persons. And they will know me, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. Call them to be a people who live in my holy city. With those words ringing in my head, I, Ezekiel, woke from my vision. I looked around and I saw that I was still a captive in Babylon, but I was no longer an exile with dry bones. A beautiful reverse had irrevocably begun. And it began with seeing, naming, and speaking to the dry bones, God breath, God's breath filling the bones, and God collecting the bones into his city, his holy family. I looked, and my soul's bones, muscles, sinews, and skin began to be stitched together with an invisible, unbreakable, eternal thread as I using my breath cried out to God now with new names you who see me in Babylon you the always breathing one you who gathers the scattered bones and bodies of this world into your family. God's Spirit began to fill my bones, my body roused. I stood and I stepped out, resurrected. Amen.